The Red Bull rant is a free-flowing conversation about soccer that may include adult language. Listener discretion is advised. Perhaps one of the most interesting words in the English language today is the word fuck. Out of all of the English words that begin with the letter F, fuck is the only word that is referred to as the F word. It's the one magical word to buy a Welcome to the Red Bull Rant. I'm Jason Ipico. I'm Truman, and this is episode 63. Yeah. That's a really appropriate title for today's show, isn't it? I mean... I think that's the only way uh, you can sum it up, right? Yeah. I mean, just an absolute... Not travesty, but uh, New York just absolutely shit in the bed. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Yeah, it was a steaming pile of dog crap. Yeah, so unfortunately, you know, obviously the Red Bulls lost to the Philadelphia Union... 3 nothing on Sunday. Myself and Truman were in attendance, and I kind of wish I had some of that money back. <laughs> between the hu- between the humidity, me feeling sick because of the humidity, and the performance on the field, I don't think I should have paid 20-something dollars for that game. That's just my opinion. Uh, before we gonna switch it up a little bit real quick, we'll do our predictions first because we all sucked at them. Uh, myself and Truman got 3-1 wins for Red Bull, so obviously that was wrong. Patch. Had two one wins. That was obviously wrong. Kevin had three nothing, so he had that. But unfortunately, mm. he had it for the Red Bulls instead of the Union. So yeah, no changes in the standings for the predictions. So uh, yeah, shit show. Let's let's talk about it. All right. Well, where where to begin? First of all, if I knew Tim Cahill was not going to play, I probably would have changed my prediction just a little bit, just just a, a wee bit. I might have still predicted a win, but uh, God, where to start? We're not going to even talk. We won't even talk about officiating because we'll be getting into that later. I'm sure. Um, you knew there was trouble when, like we said, Tim Kale wasn't going to play. You had no Alave, and then you had no Jadinho, and you didn't even have a Spindola starting. And when Pig is your other forward, you're just doomed. You're doomed. And when you go down a man, and Henri has to play the guy who's trying to create scoring chances, you're super fucked. There's just nothing good that's going to come out of that at all. When Piggy is the guy who's gonna need to score goals, well, you might as well just go home. Honestly, it's, yeah. That, that's, that's what you get. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna read off a piece of email and we'll talk about that because, uh, uh, Eric Vieira writes in and he, he's gonna touch, touch on a lot of stuff we'll talk about, so I wanna read this first. The game was horrible to watch. Don't know why they started Peggy over Espendola. Lloyd Stam is starting to get on my nerves. He's one of the fastest players on our team. The ball was closer to him than anybody else in the field, Sam was, and Sam was jogging to the ball while the Philadelphia player was hustling and ended up getting there first. So Sam decided to pick up the pace and give a horrible tackle. If Sam just hustled the entire time, he wouldn't be in these predicaments where he gets red cards. So, I'm going to talk about Sam real quick. We're not going to get too in-depth on this because we're definitely going to be talking about this with our guest today. But, honestly, in the stadium, I didn't get a good look at it because it's across the field from the supporters section. But when I watched the replay later that night, that was an absolute bullshit call. Regardless of whether Sam should have hustled to it, which he absolutely should have, uh, I'll give you that. Sam didn't actually make a tackle. He slipped on the wet grass, and the Philly player came in and went into Sam's cleats. It wasn't the other way around. The Philadelphia player is the one that initiated the contact. And if you look very closely, Sam actually wins the ball a split second before the Philly guy comes in. So, I I, I could rant about this one, but we're, I want to save that. But just an absolute bullshit call. 
I agree yep. with Peggy. I have not. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. Continue, please. <laughs> um, I agree with Peggy. I have no fucking clue why he was in the starting lineup. I mean, if a spindle is there, the only thing I think of is that a spindle wasn't one hundred percent, and that's the only reason he didn't start. Which, honestly, after the break we've had for between MLS play and even in the last Open Cup game, which is a week and a half before, there is no excuse for a spindle to be hurt unless he yeah. picks something up. In honestly, I don't didn't follow what happened in training before, so it very possibly got hurt in training. And if he did, I apologize for that. But assuming he came out of training healthy, there was no excuse for him not starting. So. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. The only thing I'll, I'll, I'll say about the uh, officiating uh, right now, because we'll get, well, like we said, we're going to get into it later. Uh, my friend who came with me to the game made a very good point that when you have a game like this, when it's, you know, you have the Red Bulls coming off a break, it's the nationally televised game. It's a big game. It's a rivalry game. The referee should not be the one dictating what happens in a game, and that's exactly what he did. He. I mean, he he changed the entire he changed the game. He changed the game with the red card, something that could have been a, you know something that could have been a yellow. And now fans are going to watch a game where one of the team is down a man and pretty much does not stand a chance. I mean, honestly, with that lineup, they might not have stood a chance anyway because we saw what happened a, a couple minutes in. You know, Philly scores and it's it's ruled offside, but that's never a good sign. It's like Jesus, they already scored and then they score off you know off of Connor Casey's head, which is the way. I think Philly scores every goal against the Red Bulls now. It's just kind of Casey's noggin. So it's just, it's, you know, that shouldn't be the way when everyone is at home watching this or you have a sold out stadium, the ref's going to dictate the play. Yeah, it was just, uh, uh, so you don't want to spend a lot of time on this, but yeah, it's just absolutely horrible. Um, as for the rest of the game, Barklage came out at the end, end of the first half. I'm guessing he picked up some sort of knock. And uh, Kamara comes in and doesn't do a damn thing. And he even gets burned a few times. And on that, on, on, on that third sorry. goal, you know it's embarrassing when Philly's breaking down the field with the ball, and the fastest guy running to the back of the field is Dax McCarty. He's the one trying to catch up to the guy, not even another defender. That's that's embarrassing. Yeah, well, the whole the whole back line. If, yeah, if this was, was seen right, I'd solid give, If this was seen right, I get the whole back line. Uh, the cow for this game. Right, which, that, which they actually bad they did. <laughs> oh, well, there you go. I didn't listen to this week's scene red, so. <laughs> um, and the other thing is, Luis Robles. Now, the RBNY Optimist made a point of saying, if it wasn't for Robles, this game would have been a lot worse than 3 nothing. And to agree, I, I'll go with that. However, here's my contention, and honestly, I've probably been... Uh, guilty as myself of overjudging goalkeeper performance, but it's his fucking job to keep balls out of the net. I don't care if it, if it could have been worse. He shouldn't have let in three. The, the first Connor Casey one, I'll give him because the defense should have done his job. Right. Third one, I'll kind of give him the same thing, but the second one, come on. Oh, you mean when you, you, all you have to do as a goalie is scoop a ball up and he no he all he has to do is back out to the, the other play all, the other team. All, <laughs> all he has to do is the. The one thing defenders in football are taught, or sorry, anybody in football is taught, if there's a fumble, you get on the ground and you keep the ball under you and you don't fucking move. Right. I don't care if if the if he could have scooped it up. There was no reason to. Just lay on the ball. Stop. That's all you had to do. You lay on the ball, that second goal doesn't happen. And you know what? The Red Bulls, up until that goal, were doing pretty decent in the second half. They had some good chances. But yeah, that goal sure. completely killed any chance of a comeback. Yep, 100%. Yeah, you don't roll the ball back out to your opposing team. You just don't do that. Yeah, that was, that was piss poor. Hey, let, let's do our likes and dislikes, because I actually do have a like for this game. 
our okay. our our sweet ass uh, tailgate. We we tailgated behind the Porto John, and it was fucking awesome. <laughs> and no one came over. No one said shit. We had some food. It was a good time. I have to say, we had a couple of our listeners come over and hang out. We got the first Red Bull rant high five. Uh, yeah, it, it was some sweet sweet tailgate action. I have to say. So that that is my like. Yeah. I actually have a like. So speaking of the first Red Bull rant high five, um, the guy who it was too was, uh, and I'm pretty sure I'm going to say his last name wrong. So I'm sorry about this. Noah Hattentail? I'm sorry, I'm not even going to try. Um, Real A Spade on Twitter. Apparently he is a writer for a blog called Red and Blue Hate Yellow, which, if I'm correct, is about a combo New York-Philly blog. So that's a little uh, interesting. Yeah. Yes, yes it is, because he, he tweets about oh, it a lot. So Kaboosh. And it's actually a podcast, too. I'm sorry, it's a podcast. Mm-hmm. Yep, and I think they so just had a, their latest episode come out a couple days ago. Yes, it did. But Let's So see. that's who are. Our first ever Red Bull Rant high five went to. I should also mention that um, we had a fan of uh, Little Beckham was there. A fan was there, recognized a, Little a, Beckham. A few, from, from a few people, movie. actually. Yep. A, a few people. So he lived the life of a celebrity, and you'll definitely see a little video of him uh, as soon as it's finished. I'll, I'll post that up. So, yeah. Um, my likely game is going to be Pecky coming out of the locker room. After the game was over, to shake hands with the supporters as they're leaving. Yep, that was awesome. I, I know we've, I know we've talked about it plenty of times, but I mean, you, you can't just say anymore. It's, it's a, such a class act for him to come out after that disappointing loss and to thank everybody for coming out. I just, there's, there's nothing more I can say about that. Yep, I'm with you. That was awesome. That was very, very classy of him. I mean, that's what we expect from the guy, but it's, it's, it's still cool. It's still cool that he comes over and he shook everybody's hand. He just stood and hung out. So. All I had to say was uh, August 17th. I said that's all that matters, August 17th. You just get paid back. That's all. So I also want to make a – first of all, I don't think we need to really do a dislike. Oh, I, I have one, though. Right? I have a dislike. Oh, all right. You yes. go ahead, and then I'll do my little last thing. Okay. Look, this has nothing to do with the game because the game was god-awful, and there's nothing to like about the game. But when you have – I know everyone wanted to congratulate all the fans that coming down. We had seven buses, which was super awesome, a ton of people, great, you know, packed that section – which, which was great, but for fuck's sakes, you didn't pay money to, to get on a bus and drive down there and stop fucking supporting the team after the first goal goes in. I know it was hot. I know it was humid. I know it wasn't a great game. Come the fuck on. I mean, it's 75% of the people in that section just shut up after the first goal and just quit. Quit singing, quit, quit everything. And I'm sorry, that's embarrassing. And especially down in Philly, that's ultra embarrassing. It, it, I'm, I was really, really pissed off. I was screaming, screaming about that, that you had just a few pockets of fans that were still singing the whole time. You don't have to sing for 90 minutes. Take a fucking break. Get some water, whatever. But for crying out loud, when people were trying to get songs going and everything and everyone's just standing around looking around, maybe you guys, maybe people shouldn't party too hard on the way down to the game. Sorry. That's just my personal opinion. If you want to fight me about it, people can fight me about it. But you know, it's not a fucking party. You know, it's a game, and you're coming down to support the team. It's an afternoon game. Drink all you want on the way back to the game. Drink after the game. Go to a bar, whatever. Drink all you want. But you're there to support your fucking team for 90 minutes. Plain and simple. So I expect better at the next away game. I really do. So speaking of supporters, not ours. I'm not gonna talk about ours. Um, I'm gonna leave all that hate for Truman. <laughs> <laughs> I'm mad. Um, I'm mad. I, I, I see that you're ranting. It's I'm the point of the show. <laughs> um, Sons of Ben. 
I know that a lot of sons of men will be listening to this, but the point of supporting your team is not to chant at the opposing supporters. I know that the people that went down to the game, me included, did some chanting back at the South Ward, but the South Ward people did a lot more chanting to support the team than the Sons of Men did. I would agree with that, 100%. And Section 133, which is in between the South Ward and the Sons of Ben, when we got to the game, there was a little girl holding a sign saying, like, go back to Jersey or something like that. Now, normally I wouldn't have a problem with a sign like that, but for me, it just seems wrong to give a little girl in that situation that sign. Because people who drink a lot, and it, it'll happen to most people, so I'm not... I don't know if anything actually happened, but when people drink, they don't tend to think clearly the whole time. And it's just it's just how it is. I'm not trying to say anybody misbehaved. But you put a little girl in that situation, and God forbid that one of the, that some Red Bulls fans were to say something to her. Of course, the Red Bulls fans will come off like jerks, but maybe the parents shouldn't have given her the, the thing. Don't right. give her the poster. Yeah, I mean, don't give a little kid a sign when, when that kid's not going to be ready for any kind of repercussions that could happen. Yeah. I mean, a, a little girl... I'm, I'm, in this case, I'm assuming she was around, like, the 8- to 10-year-old range, because I don't know. I wasn't... But she's not going to know what the hell people are saying. Granted, it's not going to really affect her, but God forbid, you know, one or two guys get up in her face and start screaming about a, the poster that her parents gave her. Yeah. I mean, it's not like she's across the stadium where we know the supporters aren't going to get there. And this is part of the thing that pisses me off about Philly. The fact that they put the South Ward so close to the Sons of Ben, Section 133 takes it upon themselves to be a buffer between the Sons of Ben and the and division supporters in general, and act like supporters. If anybody that runs Security Philadelphia is listening to this, move the visiting supporters to the other side of the field like everybody else in MLS does. Don't let them get close to each other. Don't have You don't need, then, fences in the goddamn concourse to keep us apart. Right. Just keep and us we, on and, opposite sides of the field, need, and there will be no problems. Right, and we, didn't, we don't need to wait an hour to get out of the fucking stadium. Because they pretty much let everyone from the Philadelphia Union, fans, players, uh, you name it, get to, got to like, walk out of the stadium before the New York fans did. Well, they it's, had to. I mean, but we were walking out and I saw... put us on the other side. It's really not that hard. No. And honestly, like, we walked out. There were still at least, like, five to ten Sons of Ben people trying to taunt us. You put us on the other side of the field. That shit ain't happening. Right. I mean, granted, even if you put us on the other side of the field, I'm okay with the idea of waiting at least like 10, 15 minutes for people to leave just because of the massive number of people that are going to the buses afterwards. You right. just don't want the two groups mixing by accident and something to happen. But then the Sons of Ben don't get involved. And then you don't have the possibility of violence. Granted, I have never heard about violence at a Philly game, but don't don't even let it the possibility of it be there. Yep, That's my I hear issue. You. you know what's funny, too, about that little girl with the sign? She had the same exact sign last year. <laughs> same family, same sign. So they must have hung the sign up in the closet for a little while and brought it out for the next game. <laughs> so really, just they uh, just keep asking for trouble. And um, one last thing before we move on from this. Tweeting, go back to Jersey when you have fans from Jersey yourself. Get the fuck over yourselves. Seriously. I know. I know. Come on. It's, it's pretty dumb. I mean, how- I mean, South Jersey is a Philadelphia stronghold. That's the way it is. It's... You know, you go South South Jersey, they're all Philadelphia fans. So, yeah, you were going to put I, your stadium I, I in that. New Jersey. Yeah, they were going to. I've, yeah. I think I've talked about that before. They were going to. Yeah. I mean, I, I went to a school at Rowan University, which was, I think, about 20, 25 minutes away from Philly. And, god damn, the television stations, everybody there is just so far up their ass about the sports teams. Just, I mean, 
granted, you know, that's going to happen in a lot of cities. You'll have those group of people that will always be like that. But in general, Philadelphia is just so far up their ass about sports teams. They were worse than Boston. That's how that's how I see it. Well, when you so. don't have a lot of success in your sports teams for decades, you know. True. You know. All right. So on to Wait, the fantasy me, league I'm going to make one more comment, uh, just one real short one. Uh, I've never actually – Jay and I have gone to a bunch of games uh, at the same time, but we've never actually sat together at a game. I gotta say, you get true. you get more pissed than I do. That hold on, first of all, that's not true. I've been I I've sat with you before in the supporter section, not for a whole game. Right, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm talking like the whole game, just the two of us, and obviously everyone else is there too. But man, you get like, <laughs> and it wasn't just you were feeling well; you were yelling and screaming and getting pissed. I liked it. I liked well, it. that was to see. it's good to see. That was that was partially because I wasn't feeling well. That and the fact that coupled with how they were playing on the field just really pissed me off. But uh, honestly, I wasn't the worst there. Well, no. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say. I'm not gonna say what happened, but you know, I wasn't the worst there. No, no, I'm just saying. I, I like seeing the rage come out. That's all. That's all I was gonna say. I just, I just like the rage. I'm Mr. Nice Guy on the show. Apparently, that's is that what. Well, you know, I, I think what we figured out is that uh, Pat's now the the peaceful guy, the one who's gonna have to be the moderator and you know keep us calm. <laughs> Considering what the what like seven minute rant we just did on Philadelphia supporters. Yeah. Oh, did we mention anybody that Pat's in, in uh, Africa hanging out with uh, prostitutes? I think we should mention that. Yeah. If, if, uh, if yeah, everyone if is wondering where Pat is, he's hanging out with prostitutes in Africa. Yeah. Um, to give more context to that, so you just don't... <laughs> I didn't want to, but you gotta go ahead, please. <laughs> Come on, that's not fair. Um, so he's down there doing uh, for two weeks in Uganda, um, doing a documentary about the the sex uh, sex trade down there and how it affects young women. To try to bring light to it and try to, to correct it. That's that's the point of why he's down there. He's not just down there to hang out with prostitutes. Let's just make sure. I just want to make people think about that for a second. But yeah, no, he's actually doing a really <laughs> really awesome thing down there. So uh, go follow him on Twitter because he's posting pictures up and stuff. So he also yeah. said he's living like a millionaire down there, which is great. I think he's the richest right, man so, in the country right now. <laughs> so on to the fantasy league stuff real quick before we take a break. Oh boy, um, top three's unchanged. <laughs> top three's unchanged. Uh, I'm at currently at number eight. With 973 points, Truman's at 18th with 815. Hmm, Pat is at 21st. Yeah, you did went up. I'm sorry, I forgot to say that part. That's okay. And Pat's in Pat's in 21st with 474 points. Now, last week we mentioned that two teams are owned by the same person, and that person happens to be Eric Vieira, the guy who we talked about earlier with the other. So this is the second part of his email. He says, on a side note, I'm the guy that has two teams on our fantasy group. It started off with just my team, Pisco, using my Twitter account. I then made a second team for my fiance, Nix84, for my Facebook account that she uses. It was a lot of fun in the beginning, but my fiance lost interest as the weeks went by. For the last month, I had been running both teams. I should have known from the beginning that this was going to eventually happen, and it was a bad idea. I left her team on because there were no prizes, and I thought it was just for fun. But I do realize there are people that take these fantasy competitions seriously, and they will view this as cheating, which in a way it is because I have two teams while everyone else has one. If you view this as a big issue, I will gladly remove one of my teams of your choice or even both teams. Whatever you guys decide, I will gladly do. Now, I've already emailed him back. I told him not to worry about it. We really don't care. We just... No. Yeah. I mean, come on. We just like having fun and, and calling him out and, and picking on him. That's all. And honestly, if you can have two teams that score more than 1,100 points, all, all the power to you. I mean... <laughs> Seriously, it's hard enough to get one team that high, but to take over another team in the middle and get it up that high is just impressive. So we should get him on I mean, uh, Pat's team. Pat, Pat Pat's team. Oh. <laughs> run Pat's I think Pat's team, team just joined. Pat, that's that's just too far away. Just too <laughs> far gone. All right, so 
with that, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to have on with us Daniel Forstein. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back to the Red Bull Rant. Today, we want to welcome on uh, Daniel Forstein. He writes for Soccer News Day, and he has a podcast, Forstein's Fire. Dan, welcome to the show. Gentlemen, thank you very much for the time. I appreciate it. Oh, no problem. Hey, um, before we talk about the game, and, well, we didn't re- hit record early enough. We'll definitely talk about it. Um, <laughs> just talk about what the, what the uh, viewing party was like. You, you mentioned it in uh, your last article. We'll just kind of talk about the atmosphere. Oh, I'll tell you right now, the atmosphere was fantastic. Uh, obviously, a lot of people coming to the Pier Park in uh, Hoboken. It's not far away from the Hoboken uh, train terminal, of course, uh, with Jersey Transit and the path. And it was nice. It was a beautiful day. Obviously, it was a lot hotter in the afternoon, but when 3 o'clock rolled around, beautiful breeze, everyone enjoying themselves. Unfortunately, not the game because of the scoring, but still, though, uh, it was a great atmosphere. Everyone's enjoying themselves. They brought their their blankets, their towels, lawn chairs. Some families came over. It was just a fun time for everyone, and I had a fun time being there. And now the not-so-fun time. Oh, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Uh, you know... we, we saved ahead. our talk. We saved our talk about the officiating until you came on, because we figured there's we could probably just do an hour and a half on the officiating in this game. Um, but for those who didn't read your article, and they should really go check it out. It's on SoccerNewsDay.com. Why don't you Why don't you talk about the refereeing and and your your opinions on the man named Toledo? Baldomero Toledo stole the name from the city in the state of Ohio. Well, let me see here. You know, I let me just say right off the bat before I get it with my rant. Look, I understand officiating professional soccer or professional sports leagues. I understand the players are bigger, they're faster, they're stronger, they're more technical out there. And I understand that you've got to make a split-second de- split decision to get the call correct. And I know that's the number one thing. And good on Major League Soccer to create the pro division to try and get these officials to be a lot better on the field with their decisions as well and to talk to their assistants. But I'm sorry to say this. Baldomero Toledo has been one of the worst referees ever since he came to Major League Soccer. He has not, uh, he's, he doesn't read the game. He assumes some of these decisions and he calls out for bookings when they shouldn't really be bookings. And whenever he sends someone off, he doesn't look at it from a good distance and probably something that someone that got sent off should have been booked. It's really ridiculous. And I will go with the Lloyd Sam situation because let me tell you something. I was watching it on the law. Large LED screens at the at the uh, park pier in Hoboken at the watch party, and originally, I mean, if it's really not that hard to say that Danny Cruz of the Philadelphia Union was the aggressor on the play. Yes, Lloyd Sam came to challenge the ball along with Cruz, but it was Sam who stayed up on his feet while Cruz did a slide tackle. And no, Sam did not stomp on Cruz. Cruz slid into Sam's studs. Now, who's the aggressor in this? It is Cruz. And then you throw out the red card in the 28th minute? I mean, that's absolutely absurd. It's just a complete fucking joke 
that Baldomero Toledo has to make a call like that in the 28th minute. The reckless, the recklessness came from Danny Cruz. Yes, Connor Casey headed the ball to him. It went too far, and Cruz is going after it, and he goes into a slide tackle. He not only gets the ball, but he goes into Sam's studs. And what do you want Lloyd Sam to do in that situation? He's in mid-thought. He has, he's trying to hold up because he doesn't want to injure Danny Cruz, but Danny Cruz injures himself. The real aggressor was Danny Cruz. Now, if you want to say both deserve the booking, fine. Whatever. But the point is, is that Cruz was the aggressor. He went into Sam. Sam did not make any attempt to try to stomp on Cruz or whatever. And it really gets me infuriated because this man has really made horrible decisions against this team when it was originally the Metro Stars and now the New York Red Bulls. I mean, I made two obvious uh, points in my article, but there's another time in the 2006 season where the Red Bulls were in uh, Kansas City to take on then the Wizards, obviously now sporting Kansas City. The far side assistant raised his flag for offside. The Red Bulls were leading 2-1 in Kansas City at that time. This is late in the match, probably around the 83rd, 84th minute. Toledo doesn't even look at the flag. He has his back towards the far side assistant. The play was offside, yet Kansas City was allowed to score, and everyone in white was upset, and they're looking at him like, well, didn't you see your assistant's flag? Well, guess what? After the assistant's flag was up for probably a good four, five, six seconds, then he brings it down. That's the problem I have with Toledo. He always tries to find a way to put this team into peril. And it has to stop. I don't know if he has a personal vendetta against this team. I don't know if they said anything to him in the past. But this has to stop. This is not the officiating that Major League Soccer should have. Yeah, and, you know, it's funny because this isn't the second season of the league where you maybe you might have some fresh... You know, officials that might not have the game quite in hand yet. We're talking, what is this, year 17, you know, that we're hitting at this point? you got to have legit actual referees who know their shit and know what they're doing. Absolutely. I mean, this is what this whole pro thing is about. This is why U.S. This is why Major League Soccer, along with U.S. Soccer, has these symposiums with the referees to tell them this is what you've done right and this is what you've done wrong. And it's nice to know that MLS is trying to crack down on the suspect officiating. But let's be honest, sometimes these officials need a, uh, I'll say this, a swift kick in the ass because they have to understand this is not about them. They are being paid now to finally officiate games, but this is not about them. This is about them trying to be as, you know, as as invisible as possible. If you need to make a call, we understand that. If you have to book the guy for a, a very bad offense, we understand that. If you cannot see a true red card offense then there's a problem. There's a major problem. Then how many guys are going to get sent off? I mean, this isn't a U.S. Open Cup game where a PDL team has three guys sent off because they're getting destroyed 9-0 to uh, the Chicago Fire. You know, this is an MLS league game that is worth three points to the winner, a point to, for a draw, nothing for the loser. And this is just absolutely, it's ridiculous. I, I really get... I really get upset when I see a good match end up becoming poor because of the officiating. Now, let me just say this. That's not the reason why the Red Bulls lost against Philadelphia on su- last Sunday. Obviously, the three-week layoff, it had it did hurt them a bit. And at the same time, you didn't have Tim Cahill on the team because of international duty with Australia. Yes, Hymason Olave was suspended for his red card against Columbus. Uh, I mean, excuse me, against um, Vancouver. That's my bad. Sorry about that. But, you know... And, of course, Juninho probably picked up an injury of some sort because he didn't play in the match either. But still, the officiating 
has been very poor when it comes to Baldomero Toledo. Other than that, I think there are other officials that do a good job. But let me ask you guys this. Do you feel that the laws of the game are just so vague that maybe there's no common sense to some of these calls? Well, what I don't understand right, on a call like that is why can't you confer with your sideline officials and, and have a discussion before just throwing the red out? I mean, the official, he can do that. He can't confer and he makes sure you get the proper call. There's no reason to walk over when you didn't see the play clear and just throw up the red card. And that's why there's called the fourth official. Uh, I mean, even if the nearside assistant, which I heard later on, the nearside assistant waved to him to say red card, but maybe he didn't have a good uh, angle on the position either. So that's why you should get another pair of eyes. That's why there's the fourth official. And if you go to the fourth official, he could probably tell Toledo and the assistant through the, you know, they have the, the walkie-talkies in their ears, you know, the microphone jutting out. He can say to them, listen, I had a be- much better look at it. Yes, Cruz slid into him. Yes, Sam's studs were showing, but I don't think it's a red card. It's more Sam in mid-thought trying to hold up his challenge. And that's what it was. Do you think Sam is that stupid to just stick out his studs and waiting for Cruz to come in? Of course not. Right. And let me just say this. And I understand Mike Petke has to say he agrees with the decision. I mean, look, he's already been uh, fined by MLS for the the Columbus uh, game. After what he said about the referees being, you know, getting ready for the Memorial Day weekend, I don't think Mike Petke wants to open up his checkbook again and give another, uh, uh, you know, fee to MLS for uh, another uh, referee uh, blunder. Which that what that's what it was. It was a referee blunder. So you can see why Sam is keeping it a low profile, and I understand why Mike Petke's keeping it a low profile. He's already been fined. He doesn't want to get fined again, and that's fine. You know, because if that's what Mike wants to do, that's fine. I don't have a problem with it. But at least I can say that Toledo made a whole mess of that. It's just an absolute terrible, terrible call to whip out the red card. Um, so while we've been talking about this, I've been watching the Cruz replay again and again and again. <laughs> um, I, I don't know why I tortured myself with it. But one thing I will say is I remember only because it's not on the replay. When I was in the stadium, I remember looking up and seeing the referee go, the, the sideline referee, go to his like back pocket like he was using for red. At first, I thought that was him trying to say that Cruz used his leg. Because if you, if you watch the replay, Cruz goes in and instead of just going straight in with his legs, he actually takes his right leg, which is the top one at that point, mm-hmm. and swings it at the ball and Sam. Mm-hmm. So it's not it's not just that he's going and he's been like you said he was the aggressor in the situation he's intentionally swinging his leg at in this case the ball but he swung it into Sam right. and actually the thing that really pisses me off the most is Sam actually won the challenge so how do you say that the guy that won the challenge is the one in a fifty fifty ball is the one that's at fault I mean that's that's something that's almost unheard of in in, in situations like that I it mean, sounds like a rhetorical question doesn't it because it is <laughs> it does I mean I mean I mean I mean I mean I'm not dis- I mean I'm agreeing with you I, I I just don't understand how a fifty fifty ball like that, but at the same time, Cruz is Danny Cruz is the aggressor. He's swinging at the ball. Did he get the ball first? Yes, but then he goes into Sam. So how is that against Sam? I mean, I don't see a motion of you know he picked up his right leg or his left leg and then he just stomps on Cruz. And even Taylor Twelman said it on the uh, on the on the on the broadcast for ESPN. That's an odd challenge from Sam. You're right, it's an odd challenge because he's trying not to cause an injury. Yeah, of course he, it is. He put his I, he put it. He put his heel down to stop himself. That's what he was trying to do. Exactly. And because he because he had his heel down, the studs happened to be up, and Cruz, being the jackass he is, went his leg into the, the studs. I mean, if you're thinking about um, it, that's more, that's more self-inflicted than it is Sam attempting to stomp on him, which he didn't do. Oh, of course. 
Um, let's let's move away from this from this in particular. Um, there's something I thought of that I kind of want to get your opinion on. Sure. Uh, MLSsoccer.com has a a feature called Instant Replay with everybody's favorite person, Simon Borg. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I, I watch it. I watch it every now and then, and maybe it's just me, but it seems like MLS is telling him do not bash the refs when possible. Maybe it's just me, but I mean, have you ever watched that? Like, is that's just the feeling I get from MLS? They're trying to protect the referees in a lot of cases when they don't deserve it. Here's the thing, um, and this is probably also common with you know referees in the other sports leagues and as well as the umpires in baseball. Um, I mean, we've seen you know we've seen a lot of arguing back and forth between NBA players and NBA referees, uh, NFL players and NFL referees, but in soccer or football. You notice that it doesn't matter what league it is or what country it is. You will see these players intentionally go up into the ref's face and they will basically yell, scream, curse at them and everything. I understand why MLS is trying to prevent these blowups from happening. But at the same time, I mean, let's, if we're going to tell the players that they can't do this anymore, then the referees cannot be protected from the league either. It's not right. If a referee makes a very, very poor decision, he needs to be held accountable for the decisions he makes. That's why you see it all the time in the premiership. You know, now they'll be on NBC. But the thing is, when you watch the referees or when you, when you uh, hear about referees that have made horrible decisions, that they do get challenged for their decisions you will see cards getting rescinded or at least knocked down from being sent off to a booking. And that's all I want MLS to do. Look, you want the players to stop berating the refs. I understand that. But the referees deserve some blame because they're not being held accountable for the decisions that changes the game. That red card is in the 28th minute. Red Bulls are down a man for the remainder of the game. That's probably 62 minutes left plus whatever stoppage time they add. And they, you know, the Red Bulls held off as much as they could, but unfortunately Philadelphia got two more goals and they won it 3-0. So, I mean, MLS, it's got to be a two-way street. You want the players to respect the on-field officials? Fine, I understand that. But how about the officials giving some of the players some respect as well? Because I feel that outside of the whole Jair Marufo incident where he got an autographed jersey from then uh, Cuauhtémoc Blanco, who was playing for the Chicago Fire at the time against Columbus in Cruz Stadium, because Blanco, as I understand, was friend or is friends with Marufo's family because his father was also a referee in the Mexican leagues, I think, as well. You know, that situation is a no-no, but, it, but this is a no-no as well. And if you're going to keep on allowing bad refs or bad on-field officials to be this bad, to be this fucking bad, uh, it's just absolutely a travesty to the league and it's a travesty to the game in this country. So... Speaking of the protecting referees, um, do you think maybe it's time for the United States Soccer Federation to step in and said we're going to handle the referees from now on? MLS is not allowed to take care of this. I mean, that seems to be the, the, the solution at the moment to, for a lot of this, at least well, in my opinion. Well, U.S. Soccer was supposed to handle all this, and then MLS took the initiative. Um, you know, it, it, it. To be honest with you, I don't know. MLS. Don Garber, Sunil Gulati, they're going to have to come together with the, you know, with the head of officials uh, in MLS, with the pro uh, leader, with the possible U.S. soccer referee leader. They all have to come together, and they all they're just going to have to hammer something out. But if nothing's going to happen, we're going to have more calamity on the field, and I don't think that's good for anybody. But but let me say this as well, guys. When was it you saw a U.S. soccer referee being 
in the middle of the field and not just the fourth official for a World Cup. When was the last time we've seen a U.S. soccer referee in the middle of the field for a World Cup and not just as the fourth official? Uh, maybe never. <laughs> the, the, <laughs> that that, that, that I can, that I can recall, you know. Well, the la- well, to be honest with you, and to be fair, the last time that the that U.S. soccer had a, a referee in the middle of the field making calls was Brian Hall for the 2002 World Cup when it was shared by Japan and South Korea. Since then, <laughs> it's been the last two World Cups. It's been nothing. They've only been fourth officials. So. If you feel like, if MLS feels like these are the best officials that we have, and who knows, maybe Mark Geiger, which I think at the moment Mark Geiger is the best official right now running the show whenever he gets an opportunity. He's been very fair. He's never backed down from any call he's made. If Mark Geiger is going to break that jinx, that he's the one. But to be honest with you, Kevin Stott, and there's been one more official, I don't know who it was, but they've been fourth officials for the last two World Cups as American referees. Well, and isn't Geiger, or wasn't he down there in uh, Brazil for the Confederations Cup? Uh, yes, he work? was. Yes, he was. And he was the main official in the uh, in the Confederations Cup. So you see, we're starting to get some respect back here with our officials. Now, whether he does a World Cup for Brazil next year, we'll have to wait and see. But at least Mark Geiger has been consistent, and he has been solid. More needs to happen with everything. Look, you guys love this game. I love this game. We want to see our league and our players and our officials become the best that they can be. More needs to happen. And if you're going to slack off on any part of any part of those three, we have a problem and we haven't improved. I, I think I think we'll end the ref talk with one of my favorite sayings is that <laughs> the best referees and umpires are the ones you don't know the names of. Correct. Because <laughs> that's when you know they're actually doing their job right. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so let's we'll, we'll move on. We'll move off the ref talk and just talk sure. about the Red Bulls. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you take? What do you take out of a game like this? Do you learn from it, or do you say, "Hey, you know what? We were short a lot of guys. It was a bad day. Let's just let's not even watch the tape. Let's just move on." I say, burn the tape. Um, I say, if, if I'm Mike Petke, just we know what happened. You know, a- anything after the red card, we just you know leave it alone. Uh, their starts have to be a lot better, obviously. Uh, but once again, they did have a, that three-week break. I know they had an open cup game in the, in between, but at the same time, they were lethargic to the start of that game too. And they did try to come back, but uh, unsuccessful up in Harvard in New England, especially on that crap surface. But that's yeah. Harvard University. So, but anyway, <laughs> uh, seriously, uh, if I'm Mike Petke, just throw the tape away after that. You know what happened. You saw some positives in this game, and it's just like I said, just move on. They're gonna host Houston this Sunday. Just worry about the uh, Dynamo and just get ready to game plan for that one. Well, we were actually going to ask you about New York Houston, so I guess we don't really need to. We just said, well, well, just... No, I, well no, that's fine. <laughs> um, I mean, look, uh, do- <laughs> listen, Dominic Kinnear has uh, this team going pretty well. It's amazing how all of a sudden mm-hmm. they lost a couple of games at home after that long home winning streak or that home unbeaten streak. Uh, look, you, you never ever doubt the type of team that Dominic Kinnear puts out there, starting 11, whoever's coming off the bench as a substitute. He has his guys going very well. And yeah, they've had to make some deals to send some guys away and bring some new blood in, but they've been solid, they've been strong, and you really don't 
you know, don't bat your eye against this Houston Dynamo team. Dominic Kinnear will have them ready. Uh, I think what Petke has to do is he's going to have his full squad ready, obviously without Sam because he will be suspended for the game because of the red card. But um, I- I've got confidence in Mike to drop a game plan to see him put in Tim Cahill, Eric Alexander, Johnny Steele, Dax McCarty, right behind Thierry Henry and Fabian Espindola. Uh, the back line is now a bit of a question because of uh, Roy Miller uh, going for Gold Cup duty with Costa Rica. Um, I think you're going to have to use both Barklage and Kimura uh, as your uh, wing backs, and you're going to have Hymason Olave and Holgerson as your center backs. As long as Heath Pierce isn't in the middle, I'll be all right. Well, you know, Heath Pierce at the moment has an injury that, I mean, I don't know what it is at the moment, but he does have an injury. So Pride. That's what it is. <laughs> you said it, not me. <laughs> hey, so we're going to, we're going to wrap it up with, uh, we always have a little bonus segment at the end. Uh, and what we've been doing recently is the top three, and this is your personal top three. We, you know, just throw a topic out and let you go crazy. All right. Um, so the top three for you is since you've been a fan and, and a reporter for a very long time you've seen a lot of stuff yes i have your top three what the fuck moments in metro red bull history um okay number number three and you know this is tough because there's a lot of what the fuck moments with this team i'll tell you it was great (laughs) i'll go with i'll go with amazing goals here i'll go with the amato guevara game-winning goal against the Chicago Fire in the doubleheader with Columbia versus England at Giant Stadium because he was just outside the box on the ESC side, section 101 at Giant Stadium, and I'm like in the like the probably the, the, the row that's just above the entrance, and when he shot it, I thought it was gonna go wide of the far post, and he smacks it inside the upper corner, the upper 90. That was I went absolutely bonkers on that one. That was fantastic. Um, um, number two is the Clint Mathis 75-80 yard slalom run through <laughs> Dallas Burn, and then he powers it past uh, Matt Jordan for that freaking go. Oh, that was amazing. I'm thinking to myself, oh, great. Oh, oh there he goes. Oh, oh, there he goes again. Come on, Clint. Come on, Clint. Bam! It was that was that was just unbelievable because I mean, can I do a tide for a second actually in another sure. Mathis moment? Sure, of course. The, the um, okay, here's here, here's what it is. This is this will be another Mathis situation. This was against Kansas City at Giants Stadium. Unfortunately, the stadium wasn't full that day because it was a midweek game. Do you guys ever remember seeing him hit the World Cup qualifying free kick goal against Honduras to qual to get into the 2002 World Cup? Yes, yes. See, you know what you know what I you know what I called that the Honduran special because <laughs> he did it in Honduras <laughs> so then all of a sudden you know the first goal was that was that was that free kick goal so as soon as I got he got lined up for that one I'm, I'm screaming one Honduran special coming up and he splashed <laughs> it in the net then the then the running then he ran down the middle of the field and then of course it was in the second that was in the first half where right footed powered it past uh, Tony Miola so that was 2-0 and then the header goal in the second half to complete the hat trick so it was uh what was it yeah le- right foot free kick left foot blast header goal for the hat trick so that's 2a 2b right there <laughs> number one and this goes to juan pablo on hell the 2010 season the inaugural season of red bull arena <laughs> i know i'm going with this one <laughs> it was a i've spectac- talked about it before oh i bet you have so have i it's the spectacular orange splash the free kick 
to win the game before facing Chivas USA and then they go to the World Cup break in 2010. That goal was just unbelievable and once again, you know, it, it, it always has to be one of those nights where it's a midweek game and the, and the, and the arena's not full or, or a stadium's not full and these spectacular moments happen. I mean, yes, he nailed the, he nailed the post. Yes, it went off the back of Pat Onstad and it went right into the net. I don't care. That was the best long distance free kick winner I have ever seen in my entire life. I bet there's been more talked about probably what goes on in the EPL or in La Liga or in the Bundesliga or in Serie A. I don't care. That was the best fucking game winning goal I have ever seen in my entire life. All right, I'm just going to – I've said this plenty of times on the show, but I have – just so you understand why I knew what you were talking about. Before 2010, I had never attended an MLS game. That mm-hmm. was my very first MLS game. I was sitting right above the South Ward. Yeah. That goal is what got me hooked. So, yep. I mean, as soon as you said it, I, 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 that's why <laughs> I knew exactly what it was. <laughs> <laughs> you see, we have ESP. We know what's going on. <laughs> now, let me say this. Let me say this. If you ever do a show to talk about Thierry Henry by himself, because let's be honest, you can't really... what The goals he has scored for this team, whether they're not so dramatic, very dramatic, or a what-the-fuck moment, that's a separate show. Because we can't really get into Thierry Henry unless it's him by himself. Yeah, cause because I mean, that's an hour, but that's an hour right there of his goal. It's about an hour and a half. That's just me. But, <laughs> but you know what I'm saying. He, he just, he just creates these fantastic goals that you never thought you'd ever see in this league. And he just does it in, with ease. Well, oh, he is yeah, a god. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I think we said a few weeks ago, I, I think we were talking about it a few weeks ago, that, you know, it was finally time to just fully embrace him as the the soccer god that he is. You know, go yes. ahead and be the guy that goes and buys his jersey and don't feel bad that you're just, you know, a casual fan. That em- embrace the number 14, embrace embrace the shirt, embrace the guy. Absolutely. I mean, look, he, he listen, there's a difference between playing over in England and playing over here. And this is what I'm saying. I'm not trying to offend anybody, but let's be honest. It's too PC over here. What he has done in England and in Spain, he's trying to do the same thing here. He understands, you know, but, but it's just too PC sometimes. I mean, look, fine. He doesn't like to play on, on the field turf. Look, I don't blame him. Are you kidding me? I understand sometimes you have to deal with what you got. It's done in Seattle, fine. It's done in Portland, fine. I'm not against, it's done in Vancouver. It's done in New England, fine. I understand I'm not going against those teams. But I understand where Thierry Henry is coming from. You want to play the beautiful game the right way, you play it on natural grass. That's how he feels, and I can respect that. I even, look, look, the guys, I mean, as much as it was okay to see this team, either as Metro or Red Bull, in Giant Stadium, the problem is that you have two NFL teams and an MLS team sharing one stadium, and it just was not working well. I wanted to see them off the fake stuff just because of the NFL teams that need it the most. They got their own stadium. I'm happy about it. I've always been happy about it, and to this day, I'm proud to walk, drive, take a train, take a bus, hitchhike, you know, go to Red Bull Arena because the game is being played at a stadium that is meant for not just this team but for this area, and I'm very proud to walk in there covering them. Here, here. I'm with you, 100%. If only more people in New York City could understand that. I I know, right? Seriously. (laughs) 
don't, I, I promised someone I wouldn't go there this time, but uh... no, don't worry. We're, we're not, we're not, we're not asking you to go there, so don't worry about it. Oh, that's okay. But if you want There's... me to, that's another show. That's right, exactly. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah ne- next time you'll be on, we'll let you do it. Okay. That, that's... <laughs> All right, Dan. <laughs> All uh, right. Guys. Thanks for coming on. Uh, before we go, do you want to pimp all your stuff out? Yeah, sure thing. Um, everyone, uh, go uh, read my Red Bull articles over at uh, SoccerNewsDay.com. Uh, of course, I believe you have uh, one of my uh, my compadres, Zach Wasink, uh, on this rant sometimes. And uh, yeah, I've heard of him too somehow. Yeah, he's a mystery guy. But anyway, no. Um, and of course, if you want to listen to my show, it's BlogTalkRadio.com forward slash Feuerstein's Fire. It's F as in Frank, E U E R S as in Sam, T E I N S F I R E Fire. Uh, I cover. It's basically a two-hour show. I do a national hour, the first hour, and then I cover the Red Bulls on the second hour. I also do for U.S. Open Cup reviews, CONCACAF Champions League reviews. The Gold Cup will be coming up uh, this uh, July, so I'll be having some post-game shows. And, of course, World Cup qualifying pre- and post-game shows So for the USA. So uh, please come on over, and, uh, you know, I hope you like the uh, I hope you like the content. Just want to going to toot my own my own horn here i tried not to do so so much but this show has been uh fantastic i'm over seventy eight thousand listens right now after three and a half years uh i just want to say if any of you have listened to my show i just want to say thank you again i appreciate the support and i try to give the best content i can not just for the new york red bulls but for american soccer as well well what more needs oh. to be said i think we got it i think we covered it <laughs> thanks yeah, guys yeah that's uh <laughs> All right, uh, Dan. Thanks once again. Um, we'll take a quick break and we we'll back with more Red Bull rant right for this. Welcome back to the Red Bull Rant. Once again, I want to thank Dan for coming on. Uh, really great interview and really wish we had recorded the, the like next 45 minutes we spent talking to him after recording that, but. So much oh, bonus well. feature we, we missed out on. We gotta yeah. start recording everything, I think, at this point. <laughs> but, so let's move on to, uh, New York taking on the Houston Dynamo this weekend. Sunday, 2 p.m. on ESPN2. Uh, I will not be able to make this game. I've won the night before, so there's no I'll be able to make it up in time uh, the next day. Uh, predictions: Kevin gave us three-one win. Uh, nobody else has responded yet, and I don't—at least for Pat—I don't expect him to. <laughs> I don't know how right. his cell service is. Um, before we do our little previews, uh, this is also apparently a quote red out game. They are going to be handing out red T-shirts to everybody that's in attendance, hoping to follow in, I guess, like Calgary and Miami and all those uh, hockey and basketball teams that just try to get the arena the same color. So hopefully, that'd be kind of cool to see, honestly. But hopefully, everybody can can do that. Unfortunately, uh, so it's, it's not. I was going to say, unfortunately, it's not 7 p.m. on a Saturday night. It's 2 p.m. on a Sunday afternoon. So we'll see how many well, red shirts yeah, actually see at the game. We'll talk about that in a minute. But anyway, you're prediction yeah I, i'm glad the cahill will be back that's that's good alave be back that's good i don't think it's going to be a pretty game i think it's going to be probably pretty damn ugly um uh, but you know what everyone talks about the june swoon but i'm gonna pretend that it's already july since it's the last day of june i'm just gonna pretend that it's actually just july when they play this game 
I think they're gonna win. I think it's gonna be a two-one win. Um, Henri's so mad from the last game. I don't think he really wants to drop three in a row. So I, I like a win here. I think I think Henri's gonna score. Uh, maybe Cahill's motivated coming back, missing the last game. I think maybe he'll get one. So I'm gonna I'm just staying super super positive, and I'm yeah I'm just going two-one. So I want to be positive. I want to say a win, but I have called a win for the last nine MLS games. Granted, I've gotten five of those right, but I don't. The last three have not worked out well for me, so I, I'm I'm going to stay away from the win. But I don't think they're going to lose. I think they'll at least bounce back and get a point out of this game. I'm going to call it a two-two draw. Not sure how it'll work out, but I, just two-two draws how I see it. Um, but yeah, so the two o'clock start time. Let's talk about that real quick. If you, I, I understand the issue with it, and honestly, I think it's bullshit that it's starting at two o'clock. Also, but with ESPN being the broadcaster. Here is probably the reasoning for it. They have on ESPN2 as a lead-in the CONCACAF Cup semifinal. Or I'm sorry, that's not semifinal. Third place game between Uruguay and uh, Italy. And following the game on ESPN, they have the CONCACAF... I'm sorry, CONCACAF, what the hell? The Confederations Cup final between Brazil and Spain. So their thinking is, well, we have these two games. Let's sandwich MLS in between to bump up our ratings. Which, honestly, I, as much as I don't like the 2 o'clock start time, I'm kind of glad. Because think of the amount of eyeballs that are going to be watching the, the third place game. Granted, it's a third place game, but people will still be watching. You can only hope that those people stick around and watch the Red Bulls. Yeah, I mean, knock on wood. I mean, is, yeah, is, it's it's Italy. So Italy's they're, they're going to get a lot of viewers no matter what. It's, but unfortunately... MLS is not at a point where they can avoid this type of thing. This is the type of thing that still needs to happen to help MLS grow. So unfortunately, it's just a matter of the state of MLS and kind of have to roll with it for now. But hopefully sometime in the next, like, five years, this will be a thing of the past and everything will be good. Uh, So that's all we have on the agenda. No, we we really went through the prediction quickly because past night here but um do you have any last thing you want to talk about before we go just don't shit the bed again i don't think i can handle wow. my third game of playing like garbage well really a fourth game if you include the cup match i mean come on let's let's get yeah. this thing back in a roll the teams are catching them i mean fucking portland's winning every goddamn game they're playing what the hell's going on in this world crazy freaking crazy go nuts university here so yeah let's get back on the hump and get a fucking win come on and looking at the schedule they have more away games and home games the rest of the way, so it's very important to pick up points in this one. Yep, for sure. Especially when you're going to be playing at Dallas, at Seattle. At They've Houston. had a pretty good year so far at yep. Houston. Yeah. I mean, granted, we get D.C., New England, and Philly at home again, so at least you got that. But, I mean, you got to pick up points at home. We can't afford to drop any more at this point, so... And no fucking red cards. Right. Come on. <laughs> well, as long as Toledo's not doing it, we should we should be okay. Right, yeah. Oh, so I, one thing we forgot to mention that just came up in the Philly game, the Terry Henry no penalty call. What the fuck? Really? I'm sorry. Got I had off. to mention that real quick because it popped in my head. And I saw the stat posted, the New York Red Bulls still do not have a penalty kick in 2013. Wow. It's, it's How that happens, I have no clue. I, I, so, I, yeah. Still, our lasting image of a penalty kick is Kenny Cooper. That is our last penalty kick taken. Yes. Unreal. Yeah. On that note, um, to wrap it up, uh, you can visit our website, redbullrant.wordpress.com. You can email us, redbullrant at gmail.com. Call us, 973-348-5329. On Skype, username is redbullrant. Facebook.com slash redbullrant. Google Plus, Storify. On Twitter, at redbullrant. At Dr. Stooge for myself. At pmacd 82 At the Truman for Truman. Subscribe to us via iTunes or Stitcher Radio. If you Listen to us on iTunes. Make sure to leave a rating. And for our guest Dan, since we didn't mention the Twitter handle, he is at D-F-E-U-E-R-S-T-E-I-N. And you, like we said in 
in that segment, listen, uh, write, uh, read his stuff on Soccer News Day and uh, First Scenes Fire for his podcast. Do you have any any last thing to say before we go? Just one thing. William! Ooh, yeah! Let's get the hell out of here. So for myself and Truman, this was episode number 63. Thank you for tuning in. As always, go Red Bulls. Peace!